listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars of the Renewal, headquartered in the Bronx, New York City. Kindly be seated. My friends, we greet you with the greeting of St. Francis. May the Lord give you peace. Amen. Bienvenidos a todos. Welcome, welcome. Bienvenuto. Everyone, <laughs> welcome. Bienvenue. <laughs> Willkommen. We have a beautiful day that the Lord has given us. This beautiful day at Our Lady Shrine. It's such a gift to have the bishop here on Padre Pio Day. Um, you can imagine being a bishop is no easy vocation. So we pray for you, Bishop, and we thank you for your service. We have the beautiful gift this moment to be in the presence of our Lord Jesus truly present in the Holy Eucharist, this source and summit of the entire Christian life, Jesus truly present here. And we know that our beloved Saint Padre Pio would love to spend time praying in the presence of Jesus, truly present in the Eucharist. And um, we know today being a, a great, beautiful day here at the shrine, we remember Saint Padre Pio, our executive director, Dave Carollo, was just here at the end of Mass to thank the bishop and thank all of you for being here. And what's interesting is when the, this shrine is a ministry of a, an apostolate, a lay apostolate called World Apostolate of Fatima, better known as the Blue Army. My friends, this is where it all started, right here. There was a local pastor, Monsignor Harold Colgan, and a layman, John Hafford, the two of them. John Hafford, this was his land. Uh, and this is where the shrine began. And they would go to Fatima to speak with Sister Lucia, the surviving visionary of Fatima. She was still alive in 1947. She was in the convent as a sister. They would speak with her, and she gave them the whole blueprint for the Blue Army spirituality, what Mother Mary asked for at Fatima, the prayers, the rosary, the whole thing. And then they would go to Italy and meet with Padre Pio. So Sister Lucia, or I should say Venerable Sister Lucia, and Saint Padre Pio, the two of them would give them advice. We have photographs of John Hafford serving Mass for Padre Pio in Italy. What an honor, what a privilege. So we know that Monsignor Colgan and John Hafford are both buried here. If you look to your left, there's a little cemetery over there, the statue of Mother Mary overwatching the graves. The two of them are buried there. Some of the family are there. And so Padre Pio had uh, joined the Blue Army. He signed the Blue Army Pledge. He made the famous promise that anyone who joins the Blue Army, I will spiritually adopt them. That's why we claim him as the official spiritual father of the Blue Army, the, of, of us here. You'll see multiple statues and pictures of him. <laughs> you know, in life, the bishop in his homily made reference to Padre Pio having this gift of bilocation, being in two places at once, well, his statues and images uh, bilocate, trilocate, they're everywhere here at the shrine. Now you know why. And there's a, a beautiful outdoor shrine to Padre Pio just over that direction. They beautiful candles there today. Make sure you stop in and say hello and light a candle. And St. Padre Pio once said that the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary that Mary promised at Fatima will happen when there's a Blue Army member for every member of the Red Communist Party. <laughs> he, he kind of said it, you know, tongue-in-cheek, but he made that claim. So we have a tremendous love for Saint Padre Pio here at the Shrine, here at this organization. And you know, um, 
what I would like to say is there are saints, and then there are saints. Padre Pio is one of those saints. He seems to stand above and beyond so many of the other saints. No offense to the saints. <laughs> but he had so many spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. We, so many you know, amazing charisms with, by location, the ability to see and talk with the angels. Um, when you went to confession to him, I met a number of people who went to confession to him. He would be able to tell you your sins. If you forgot one, he would tell you just a mystical gift Tremendous, beautiful grace. But the theme for today that we would like to focus on has to do with the relationship between St. Padre Pio and the Holy Eucharist, the true presence of Jesus here before us. The Holy Spirit has inspired the bishops of the United States to start a new initiative. You may have heard about this in your parishes. They're calling it the National Eucharistic Revival to inspire and refocus all of us again on the sacred center of everything that it means to be a Catholic, and that is the mysterious presence, the true presence of Jesus here in the Holy Eucharist. And this devotion that we're doing right now, this devotion of Eucharistic adoration, in some ways this devotion flows from the Mass. There was a moment when the bishop said those words that Jesus said at the Last Supper, this is my body, this is my blood. And the bishop raises the host, says in, in the book there, the instructions to show the host to the people for the, the moment of adoration. He holds Jesus aloft and the church encourages us at that moment of the liturgy to look, to behold to let the image of Jesus and the host come into your eyes. And um, in some ways, this practice of Eucharistic adoration feels like an extension of that moment. The host is here before us. The true presence of Jesus. He's here for our prayer, for our contemplation. And you know, one of the reasons why I think Padre Pio had such a great love for praying in the presence of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist is because no matter what you feel, if you're feeling good, if you're feeling bad, if you're in a season of life where you're wondering, where is God? I don't feel him. It, on some level, it doesn't matter because when we come before the host, regardless of how we're feeling, we know Jesus is there. He's truly there. You may have moments when you prayed in his presence and you felt something. You may have had moments when you prayed in his presence and you didn't feel anything. And on some level, it's okay because he's truly there. This was the desire of God's heart to be present to his church in and through the sacraments and especially in and through this mysterious gift of the Holy Eucharist. And Padre Pio as a Capuchin Franciscan would often be praying, whether in the presence of Jesus here before us or when Jesus is in the tabernacle. We don't see him, but the candle, the candle is lit. It tells us somebody's home. The light is on. <laughs> and Padre Pio was praying in front of the tabernacle when he received the mystical gift of the stigmata, the wounds of Jesus. We know that story so well. And Padre Pio, the, the very depth of his spiritual life as a priest was the Holy Mass. You read stories of his life, and so often 
the different authors will highlight the grace of attending one of Padre Pio's masses, or the grace of having your confession heard by Padre Pio. There was something quite special there. There was, there was a gift for the church, this unusual mystical gift that very few receive. The gift of the stigmata was a gift for the church in, in reading so many things about Padre Pio. I'm a big Padre Pio devotee, a Franciscan priest, so we've, I've dedicated my ministry here at the shrine to Padre Pio. And I think that there's a gift waiting for us to discover because when people would go to Padre Pio's Mass, on one level, his Mass was no different from any other Mass happening in any Catholic Church. Whether you attend the Mass of the Pope, whether you attend the Mass of a Bishop, whether you attend the Mass of a little unknown priest, it's the same Mass. There's only one Mass. And even the Mass of Padre Pio, on one level, was no different from any other Mass. It is the gift of the church, the sacraments. Um, when people would go to confession to Padre Pio, you would be waiting for days. And there would be these other priests sitting alone in their confessional. And Padre Pio used to get so mad and like, go to the, go to the other priests also. But the absolution that you would receive from any priest was identical to the absolution you would receive from Padre Pio. No different. And yet, somehow there was a difference. What was that? It was the personal holiness of Padre Pio. And when he would be standing at the altar saying Mass, he once remarked to somebody, it's not so much that I'm standing there, rather, in some mystical way, I am hanging on the cross with Jesus. And people would see those bloody wounds in his stigmatized hands. It was a reminder of what's happening at every Mass, that we are in some way present at Jesus's one offering, and that we're invited to unite the offering of our lives to Jesus's offering. There's a moment in the Mass when the priest prays, we pray, pray that your sacrifice and mine. Why the distinction there? Because this is what's happening at that moment of the liturgy. The offering of every single member of the church is being gathered together. It's being united. It's being brought to the one sacrifice of Jesus. We've always believed that, but people testified that in some mystical way, this reality became more clear when they would attend the Mass of Padre Pio. And again, it's happening at every Mass, but for some reason there was a grace and a gift and you saw Padre Pio hanging with Jesus on the cross, the bleeding stigmata. This gift was given not to just him for his personal holiness, but a gift for the church. How many priests and bishops and even some of the future popes, Pope John Paul, they would go and they would attend the Mass of Padre Pio. And so during this time of Eucharistic revival for the United States, this time when the bishops, inspired by the Holy Spirit, are refocusing us on this gift of the Lord. I can't help but wonder if St. Padre Pio should be one of our patron saints for this movement, this priest of God who would celebrate the Mass with such reverence, such holiness. And you know, it's an interesting conundrum. You know, I could speak, uh, I don't want to presume to speak for the bishop or for the priests, but when you say Mass, when you're the priest at the altar, 
we're encouraged in the seminary training to pray the Mass, to pray the Mass with reverence and devotion, to not change things. It's not my Mass. I don't have authority. It's the prayer of the church. So they used to say, say the black, do the red. Because in the, in the Missal book, the prayers are in black and the instructions on what you should do are in red. Those are known as the rubrics. And there's always a problem in the sense that the priest should in some way disappear. You know, if the priest is acting in a way that's so strange and quirky, then it distracts the people. Have you ever been to a mass like that? Don't raise your hand, okay? <laughs> so the priest, he should be prayerful and reverent. He should be faithful to the prayer of the church, but also in a way that in some way he disappears. He doesn't distract the people. It's not a show to draw attention to himself. But to not be afraid to be pulled together through the sacred liturgy of the church, like Padre Pio, to pray with focus and reverence and devotion. You behold the presence of Jesus and the host, to have a moment of silence or reverence, to acknowledge that what's happening here is holy and sacred. The appropriate response is a, a response of prayer and reverence, joy, worship, you know, in a, in a world that's so distracted by so much noise, the prayerful reverence of the Holy Mass is probably the medicine that we need. And this prayer of Eucharistic adoration, so often praying in the presence of our Lord, the, the silence, the holiness, the beauty, that where they say, in the silence of the heart, God will speak. We give the Lord an opportunity to speak to our hearts when we come before him. And in some way, not only does this prayer of adoration flow from the Mass, in another way, it also flows back to the Mass. You acquire the practice of Eucharistic um, adoration, praying in the presence of the Lord, you'll notice that it helps you when you're at Mass to pray and to be more focused and more aware of the different moments of the liturgy and the spirituality that is happening at each moment, particularly when you unite your offering to Jesus is one offering. But then, my friends, the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, the place where Jesus wants to go, it isn't so much into the hands of the priest. It isn't so much into the golden box we call the tabernacle. It isn't so much into this gold vessel, this monstrance that shows us the host. The place where Jesus wants to go is into the hearts of his followers, his believers. And so that moment of Holy Communion, when we come forward to receive him, to be nourished by him, to be spiritually strengthened by him, there's no mistake that he comes to us under the form of food, bread and wine, food and drink, the true presence, this spiritual nourishment that he wants to give us. And then we have the Lord intimately present I want to conclude with a prayer that St. Padre Pio would pray at the end of each of his Mass. He would have a prayer of thanksgiving. And the prayer is so beautiful, and it's inspired by that story when the risen Jesus walked with the two disciples on their way to Emmaus. They recognized Jesus in his breaking of the bread. Their hearts were burning on fire, the love of Jesus. And they said this line to the Lord. Do you know it? Stay with us, Lord. 
Stay with us. And so Padre Pio had a prayer inspired by that. And this is the prayer that he would say at the end of Mass for his thanksgiving. And we'll conclude with this prayer before the bishop leads us in benediction. So I invite you as I read this prayer to focus on the true presence of Jesus here before us. The Holy Eucharist, the Blessed Sacrament, the Bread of Life. Stay with me, Lord, for it is necessary to have you present so that I do not forget you. You know how easily I abandon you. Stay with me, Lord, because I am weak and I need your strength, that I may not fall so often. Stay with me, Lord, for you are my life, and without you I am without fervor. Stay with me, Lord, for you are my light, and without you I am in darkness. Stay with me, Lord, to show me your will. Stay with me, Lord, so that I hear your voice and follow you. Stay with me, Lord, for I desire to love you very much and always be in your company. Stay with me, Lord, if you wish me to be faithful to you. Stay with me, Lord. For as poor as my soul is, I want it to be a place of consolation for you, a nest of love. Stay with me, Jesus, for it is getting late and the day is coming to a close and life passes. Death, judgment, eternity approaches. It is necessary to renew my strength so that I will not stop along the way and for that I need you. It is getting late and death approaches. I fear the darkness, the temptations, the dryness, the cross, the sorrows. Oh, how I need you, my Jesus, in this night of exile. Stay with me tonight, Jesus, in life with all its dangers. I need you. Let me recognize you as your disciples did at the breaking of the bread so that the Eucharistic communion be the light which disperses the darkness, the force which sustains me, the unique joy of my heart. Stay with me, Lord, because at the hour of my death, I want to remain united to you, if not by communion, at least by grace and love. Stay with me, Jesus. I do not ask for divine consolation because I do not merit it, but the gift of your presence. Oh, yes, I ask this of you. Stay with me, Lord, for it is you alone I look for, your love, your grace, your will, your heart, your spirit, because I love you and ask no other reward but to love you more and more. With a firm love, I will love you with all my heart while on earth and continue to love you perfectly doing all eternity. Stay with me, Lord. Amen. You've been listening to From the Friars podcast, the community of Franciscan Friars, the renewal. Please visit us at franciscanfriars.com or on social media, CFR underscore Franciscans. Mm-hmm.